0: she's walking off let's go ahead and give sister Michaela a hand it's her first time up there and also Landon's trying to sneak out but please witness him wearing all that he's wearing the armor of God right now there you go he was running sound up there so the young people are involved if you didn't know if you didn't know Alright, so I'm back up here. We are talking about spiritual disciplines. Going through the book, we are almost halfway done. And today's chapter um, is about fasting. So there's a picture of the book. And if you get on the website and you pay full price for the book, they will ship it to you in a somewhat timely manner. So... Uh, If we go to the next slide, the overall theme of the book, this Bible study, is that we need to be disciplined as Christians uh, and discipline in the sense of training that corrects or perfects the mental faculties or our moral character. And then the verse that is the overarching theme is 1 Peter 5.10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So, as Christians, after you get the Holy Ghost, what's next? And spiritual disciplines is part of what is next. All right. So, talking about fasting, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for another opportunity to be in your house. Uh, gathered together with people of like-minded faith. I ask that you continue to bless this service from beginning to end, Lord. Continue to be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I'm still trying to figure out how to do this water while talking. In 1906... There's a prayer meeting. The prayer meeting was led by William Seymour in Los Angeles. Uh, and they would meet in a house. Um, William Seymour's on the left. They would meet in a house and they would pray. And their goal was that they would bring the church back to the book of Acts when the church first started. Uh, and they were really interested in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Um, and they wanted to experience that. So they would meet, they would study. They would pray. Uh, and then one day they decided, you know what, let's add 10 days worth of fasting on this. Okay? So after a few days of fasting, they studied, they prayed some more. Uh, I think they said seven people in the prayer Bible study group actually spoke in tongues. They had experienced the thing that they were trying to experience, this Book of Acts experience they had. Um, and news began to spread. Uh, that these people were speaking in tongues just like they did in the Bible. It wasn't dead. It was for us, too. Um, And it began to grow and grow until eventually they moved it into this building on Azusa Street. Uh, The Azusa Street revival lasted a few years, and it was the spark, the beginning of the Pentecostal movement in America. Because of this Bible study, William Seymour And the people that met the Pentecostal movement, which we were part of, uh, was started. And it was all because they were trying to follow and restore the church back to what it had been originally. Uh, And it all started with the idea that they should fast for 10 days. Fasting is very popular nowadays. I don't know if you guys have heard. All the workouts people are into fasting. They call it intermittent fasting. They don't eat. They skip breakfast. That's all it is. They skip breakfast. Okay? Don't let them lie to you. They skip breakfast, and then they work out. All right? Um, It's talked about all the time. It helps people lose weight. But fasting is also a spiritual thing that we do at church. And now I'm not going to get up here and lie to you that I am a good faster because I'm just not. All right? I always get lost in counting the hours. Do I have to go 24 hours? Can I stop when the sun goes down? Like, what are the rules? I get lost, tangled up into it. I overthink it, which happens on a lot of things. Um, but this year, I was, I'm a teacher. If you, most of you know. I teach fourth grade. But I had a student in my class, and he, his parents are from Morocco, which is a country in Africa, um, and he's a Muslim, and they were participating in Ramadan, and Ramadan is where they fast from uh, sun up to sundown. So they can't eat while the sun's in the sky. So this kid, he's fourth grade, he's like, I'm going to do Ramadan. My parents said, it's okay. And I'm like, all right, buddy, do your thing. Like, we're at school, they get breakfast at school, we have snack time at school, we have lunch at school. Uh, they're always eating. And he was like, I'm going to do it. My dad's going to buy me a Nintendo game if I do it. I was like, all right, (laughs) you got it, buddy. You go for it. But I was really, it was kind of like a wake-up call for me because this kid's in fourth grade. And he, he lasted for a week. I think they were supposed to go 21 days. But he did a whole week. And the whole time, all these other kids are like eating pizza in his face and Cheetos and whatever. And he stuck with it the whole time. And I was sitting there watching him, I'm like, if this kid can do this, I could for sure handle that. So, the next week I was like, I'm fasting. So, fasting is a discipline and it will benefit us in our walk with God. But before we talk about fasting, the book spends a lot of time, not a lot of time, a little bit of time talking about food and why it's not evil. And I do love food. There are many patterns in the Bible. For example, in Genesis 1, there is this pattern where God creates something, he looks at it, says, that's good, and then he does it again. Okay, so in Genesis 1, 3, and 4 is kind of where it starts. It says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. So, this pattern continues kind of in all of Genesis 1. Uh, in verse 9 through 10, God wanted all the waters to be together in an ocean. So, He said it, it happened, and He was like, Yeah, that's good. Good job. 11 and 12, similar situation. All the grass and the plants grow, they produce fruit and seeds. God told it to happen, it happened. He thought it was cool. Okay, He does the same thing every day of creation with all the things that he creates. He creates it, then he likes it. When he created Adam and Eve, he created beings that needed nourishment physically and spiritually. He created them, and he thought it was good, even though they needed nourishment. Um, just as we cannot, Adam and Eve could not live without nourishment for their physical bodies or without nourishment for their spiritual bodies. Now, before they messed everything up, they had the opportunity to be spiritually fed directly from God just by hanging out in the garden with Him. They got to see him, I don't know, probably every day. Uh, And we know that they hung out a lot because in Genesis 3, They were able to recognize the sounds of God in the garden. They were physically fed because of the food that God created for the garden. He made sure they had everything they would need to be fed. The book says eating is necessary and because God is good, eating is often pleasurable. So food is not an evil thing. Food is delicious. And there are a bunch of different varieties. Uh, Food is a blessing that comes from God. Okay, Make no mistake, I'm not here to talk about food being bad. That would be ridiculous. Included in the Lord's Prayer that I talked about a few times ago uh, is the request that God gives us our daily bread. So not only does God feed us, but he feeds us daily. This leads us to the conclusion that not only is God the giver of life, but he also sustains life. He created it, he liked it, he wants to keep it around. One miracle that is mentioned in all four gospel accounts is the feeding of the 5,000. For this miracle, Jesus and the disciples were trying to get away from people. Uh, It didn't work out. The crowds kept following them. So Jesus spends the afternoon teaching and instructing them and telling them things. And he's feeding them spiritually. The day goes on and people start getting hungry because they're human. And the disciples tell Jesus that he needs to send them into town to go buy their own food because there are so many of them. If they had fed them all, it would have taken years worth of wages. They couldn't do it. They couldn't afford it. And instead of sending them away, Jesus recognizes their physical hunger and he miraculously multiplies the five loaves and the two fishes. What I liked about this story is he didn't chastise the people. He didn't ask them to be more spiritual Uh, To take this more serious, you're hanging out with God, be serious. He just fed them. He fulfilled their needs. And this is why we give thanks when we pray before we eat. We're not trying to magically make our food healthier. The calories don't go away when you bless your food at the beginning. But we are thanking God for the opportunity to even have food. In the Bible, food also plays a role in worship. In the Old Testament, the Israelites had many feast days. During his last days on earth, Jesus even took time to eat with his disciples in what we call the Last Supper. He knew he was about to be put to death, and he could have spent that time doing anything else, anything in the world that he wanted to. He could have flew around town, but instead, he was sharing a meal with his disciples and showing us about communion. Eating together in Bible times helped build deeper community. Acts two forty four through 46 says, And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They came together to break bread and to eat at each other's houses and ate meat with gladness and togetherness. Singleness of heart means they were together. They agreed on things. The point being made at the beginning of this chapter is that food is not sinful or carnal. Food can be used for worship and it does help build community and is also you have to have food to survive. Can we all agree on that? All right, so the next part of the book, the chapter, talks about reasons for fasting. Uh, and I believe it's in the slides. There should be four reasons for fasting. Reason number one is urgency in prayer, number two is mourning, number three is worship, and number four is needing spiritual direction. Ch-ch-ch the Bible talks about fasting more than 80 times in the Bible they fasted for many of those reasons just listed uh, but probably the top most frequent reason people fasted in the Bible was to demonstrate an urgency of their prayers the more pressing the need the bigger the need the more of themselves the more of ourselves we need to involve in prayer fasting is a way to involve our whole person in prayer Sin is one example of something that we should be urgent about in our prayer. Therefore, sin is something that you can fast about. An example in the Bible would be the Israelites fasting during the yearly Day of Atonement, which is now Yom Kippur. When the priests would make a sacrifice for their repentance, they would fast. As part of this day, the Israelites were supposed to give up food and drink from sunset ...to sunset, which is about 25 hours, and ask for forgiveness. And they still participate in this fast today. Another example comes from 1 Samuel 7. Samuel is leading the people back to God after they had fallen into idol worship yet again... ...and had recently lost and regained the Ark of the Covenant. 1 Samuel 7, 3 and 4 says, And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying... If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and the Ashtoreth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. And then verse 4 says, Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtoreth and serve the Lord only. So because of Samuel's pleading, the Israelites put away their idols And confess their sins. And then, if you go down to verse 6, it talks about how they fasted for that entire day. The need they had was a pressing one. They needed to repent for their sin of idol worship. And they fasted in order to do that. The story of Jonah and the whale is one that we probably all know from Sunday school. If you haven't heard it in Sunday school, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with it. Uh, In the story, God tells Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh, uh, and he wants them to cry against the city because of their wickedness, and they're so wicked that it came up before God. So Jonah decides that he is not going to do anything God says uh, because he doesn't want God to save the people of Nineveh, all right? Jonah is not a very good example in this story. So he runs away and is swallowed up by this great big fish. Uh, We call it a whale, fish. We don't know. We weren't there. So he finally tells, after he's sitting in this fish for a few days, he finally tells God, hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I'll listen to you. I'll go talk to people in Nineveh. And the whale throws up, and Jonah comes out. And Jonah 3, 4, and 5 is where he finally starts walking to Nineveh, and he gets there. Um, And it's probably the most, I've heard it said it was the most successful, easiest sermon he's ever preached or ever preached in the Bible. Uh, Verse 4 says, And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was his whole sermon. Verse 5 says, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth. From the greatest of them, even to the least of them. Not only did the people begin to fast, uh, but they made the animals fast also. The end of verse 7, the king tells them, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. So they took it very seriously, what Jonah was saying. And it worked out. Jonah 3.10 says, And God saw their work. That they turned from their evil ways, and God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them, and he did it not. Fasting and repentance saved Nineveh from being destroyed. Another urgent need in our life that we could fast for would be physical healing. In Psalm 35, David admits that he fasts for his enemies when they are sick. David also fasted for his newborn son that was sick and dying. Second Samuel twelve fifteen 15-16. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. There, David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. Another reason you could fast is if you're mourning in a time of mourning. Uh, which would be someone died and you're close to them uh, or someone important. Being sad is an okay time to fast. One example comes from another story with, or the same story with David. He has this awkward exchange with his servants. Um, as we just read, he was fasting while his son was sick. Uh, they didn't know what was going to happen to the son. He was almost dying, so David went on a fast And when his son finally died, uh, David gets up, washes himself off, and he decides to have some food. And it really confuses the servants. So in 2 Samuel 12, 18-23, And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died, and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voices. How will he then vex himself? if we tell him that the child is dead. But David saw that his servants whispered. David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. And then verse 20 says, Then David arose from the earth, washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel, and came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive, but when the child was dead, thou didst didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me? That the child may live. And verse 23 says, But now he is dead, wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. So, if we look at that story, we can assume that fasting was some part of the mourning process. Your family member died, you were expected to fast. Uh, and we can back that up a little bit with a couple of other instances. Uh, First Chronicles 10 and 12, um, when Saul dies, it says, They arose all the valiant men and took away the body of Saul and the bodies of his son and brought them to Jabesh and buried their bones under the oak in Jabesh and fasted seven days. So when Saul was killed by the Philistines, uh, the, his people, his army fasted for him. And then when David found out about Saul and Jonathan... Second uh, Samuel one eleven and twelve, then David took hold of his clothes and rent them, and likewise all the men that were with him, and they mourned and wept and fasted until even for Saul and for Jonathan, his son, and for the people of the Lord for the and for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword so it 's not a direct thing that God says, "Hey, when someone dies, you should fast, but using these clues, we can make the assumption. That fasting was some part of the mourning process, what you did when people died. Uh, The other thing, sometimes people in the Bible fasted just to worship God. In an earlier chapter of the book, we talked about worship being a way to show our respect, our honor, and our devotion to God. uh, And it's a way for us to show our love for God. In Exodus 34, Moses is on a second trip up to Mount Sinai to talk to God, uh, get the Ten Commandments, and according to the book, this is the first mention in the Bible of fasting, food, and water. Uh, Exodus thirty-four five and verse eight says, "And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with, or stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord." And verse eight, and Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Moses was so caught up in the moment of being with God. That he fasted the whole forty days and forty nights. He was up there. Um, and his experience with God also changed him physically. When he came down from the mountain he glowed, his skin was different. Uh thirty-four thirty-nine says, And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wis not that the skin of his face shone while he talked. Another Bible person that fasted for 40 days and 40 nights was Elijah, uh, 1 Kings 19, 7 and 8, and the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee, and he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb the mount of God. So one thing that both of those 40-day experiences have in common is that there was an awe-inspiring moment with God, from God. They were touched physically by God. Moses is on the mountaintop with God face-to-face. Elijah is physically touched by an angel and fed by an angel. Uh, And sometimes when we have personal moments with God or we just want to worship him and acknowledge how awesome he is, we can fast that will show him our all for him spiritual direction is the last of the four reasons that I'm gonna talk about tonight it's not all of them um, Has anyone in here ever needed guidance on something you ever been confused about life needed confirmation before you moved on the good news is that you confess when you're unsure what to do in your life and life's decisions or if you just need a little divine guidance some examples from the bible Ezra called the israelites to fast when they were leaving captivity in babylon uh, Ezra 8:21 says then i proclaimed a fast there at the river of ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our god to seek him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance in antioch we fast forward a little bit, the church leaders were worshiping and fasting, trying to get guidance on what to do with this new church growth. In Acts 13, 2 and 3, they said, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Fasting helped them to be able to discern ...figure out what God wanted them to do, what the direction he had for them was. And the direction was to send Paul and Barnabas out to spread the gospel to places that had not yet heard it. Then a chapter later, Barnabas and Paul were fasting themselves following the examples of the church leaders. Uh, 14.23 says, And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting... They commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. So they wouldn't even pick leaders without fasting first and seeing who God wanted them to pick. Fasting done properly produces a healthy dependence on the Lord. It also removes our fleshly flawed logic from decision making. So fasting, very good thing to do. It is a discipline. It will help you grow in God. But there are also some negative ways to fast or inappropriate fastings. Examples in the Bible. Uh, both of those would be empty rituals and fasting for human approval. So participating in empty rituals. Uh, when I see the word ritual, I think of the word routine. And routines are not bad things. Okay, We need routines. Uh, they help you stay focused. They help you get things done having a routine can help you in many areas uh, even in this church we have a set routine day that we fast it's on Tuesday if you didn't know Tuesday is church fast day it's also church prayer is corporate prayers Tuesday also unless we're splitting it with men's and women's prayer it's always on Tuesday uh, so it's not a bad thing to have a routine. The book says, though, that sometimes we, when we get these routines, we get so bogged down in the routine that we untether the truth from the action, which is a fancy way to say we lose the purpose behind what we're doing. Isaiah gives a good example of fasting as part of a ritual, but not having the right purpose behind it. Uh, Isaiah 58, 3 of 5 says, why have we fasted? The people are asking God, and you see it not. Why have we humbled ourselves, and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, and I believe this is the answer. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. And verse 5 says, is such, the fa- is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and spread sackcloth and ashes under him will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord so he is telling them that yes you're fasting yes you're doing all the right things but you're not it's not producing the right results because of the fast they had the ritual down but everything else about their fast day was not something that God approved of Truly effective fast will help believers align their hearts with God's heart. Another example of inappropriate fasting is fasting for human approval. Pretty much anything in the Bible that you do to get noticed by people instead of doing to please God is probably going to be a bad thing, fasting included. Matthew 6:16 6, through 18. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Fasting is supposed to be about your relationship with God, and no one else. It's not so we can put a check mark by our name for the week and give a gold star. Uh, You're fasting because you want to get closer to God or you need help that only God can provide. So what does fasting look like, and how can we do it? The Bible talks about a couple of main types of food-related fasting. There is the total fast, which is where a person fast and they do not eat and they do not drink for the duration of the fast then you have what the book calls a normal fast and this is the one that more commonly occurs in the Bible and this is the fast without food but they still drink then you have what we have called the Daniel's fast it's not exactly called a fast in the Bible but it has become more popular recently and you're still allowed to eat, but you can't eat things with sugar, you can't drink anything with sugar, can't have meat, or any other fun stuff for 21 days. And some people will argue, I've seen people argue up and down on the internet about, is this a fast, is it not a fast? Uh, but we've done it a couple times at church, and it's hard enough for me to call it a fast, okay? It's not easy, uh, it'll wear you down mentally just like a one-day fast will wear you down mentally. Um, Not mentioned in the Bible, but things that I tell the kids downstairs that count as fasting, um, and I believe people would agree, uh, is you can fast your electronics. You can fast your phone. You can fast video games. You can fast movies or TV or visual radio. Um, You can fast the Internet, social media, or pretty much anything that consumes your time. So if you're big into puzzles and you puzzle every night for an hour, you can fast puzzle time. Um, The Bible also has corporate fasts and individual fasts. So you can fast with your friends. You can fast by yourself. Some fasts last for 24 hours. Some fasts last while the sun is in the sky. uh, And some fasts just last from morning to evening. So you skip breakfast, you skip lunch, you eat dinner. There is no one set way to fast in the Bible. But all of those things count. So as I'm closing, Amanda's coming to play. Uh, The point of fasting is to take something and give it to God. So you're taking your food or your time that you spend eating and preparing or the time that you spend doing something else, and you're spending that time with God, whether that's reading your Bible, whether that's praying whether that's teaching someone else the Bible, taking the time and giving it to God instead. If you're not praying while you're fasting, then you're probably just dieting like the fitness people. And that is not the point of the fast. Fasting is about humility and dependence. Instead of being dependent on the things that you're giving up, being dependent on the food or the electronics or the puzzle time, you're becoming dependent on God for sustenance and like I said earlier we have a church fast day every Tuesday you can pick Tuesday to fast we would love for you to join us or you can pick a day that works better for you Uh, just like with our giving we don't give to be blessed and we don't fast to be blessed but God will bless you for your sacrifices so as we sing a song if you're not already fasting please consider adding some fasting time to your life. Alright, please uh, stand. We'll sing a song. And, yeah.